Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com. Back this week and thrilled to be joined by my fellow Brew Hoopers, Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr. Fellas, how are we doing? We're, we're doing pretty good. Weather update. It's really cold, both in Minnesota and Wisconsin, I gather. Uh, but today I had the pleasure of going to the infrared sauna that's down the street from us. I got a introductory pack there and... It's not something you want to do in the summer because you don't want to sweat your ass off inside a enclosed box and then go out into the hot go sun. Go outside and sweat. Yeah, yeah. But in the winter, it's really nice. Um, the only thing that I would complain about is you know, as I was leaving, I got out of the sauna, I got out of the room, and there was a ladder there. And I was like, how am I going to, what am I going to do here if I don't move this ladder? So I tried to move the ladder, and then the employee took the ladder and put it back. So I knocked, I knocked the ladder over, and somebody got it on camera, and now... You know, this is going to complicate everything at Brew Hoop. But besides all that, uh, things are going well by me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was preparing for Thanksgiving. Uh, I got to think of a pie to make. So we're doing two pies. And as I'm trying to grab, you know, all the ingredients, there also was a ladder that was just <laughs> in the middle of the aisle. So I was trying to get that done. And then someone came over, took the ingredients out of my cart, which then made it more confusing. And then he's saying, this isn't. This is a Madison bro. And it's like, I'm in Fitchburg. It's literally the town over. Like I can go hop, skip and a jump. And as I'm dealing with that, this ladder comes back and I'm trying to move it. And that didn't happen. And so I pushed it and it just fell over. So now on (laughs) Heidi's cameras in Fitchburg, there is video evidence of me knocking over his ladder. And I was just trying to get my groceries done. Yeah. And then the worst part is the same dude that was taking the stuff out of my cart ended up tweeting nonsense, making it seem like I was in the wrong. (laughs) Shout out to Wisconsin State Journal for at least clearing (laughs) up the story. (laughs) What a a weird week in Bucksville. I know. (laughs) We got so many ladders. It's strange. Adam, how how are you? You're down in Charleston. You're out of that cesspool of of city right now. So Yeah, I've escaped it, but it was really weird. I went to a Costco today and there was a ladder right (laughs) in my no. Oh my god. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, you know, mixed feelings about Laddergate. It's been, uh, God, actually, you know what? There aren't mixed feelings. It's kind of just one of the weirdest things ever. It's the dumbest uh, shit. To emerge. 
And I think uh, I think let's dive into it because that's the news of the day. Laddergate, if you are unaware somehow, Giannis was trying to shoot free throws after sucking at shooting free throws in the game against the Sixers, trying to get some post-game work. Montrezl Harrow comes up, takes the ball from him, holds it to the side while a Philly assistant coach goes up and talks to Giannis and apparently tells him he can't shoot free throws on the court after the game. Later on, Giannis is trying to shoot free throws again, and a Philly Arena in-game employee has put a ladder in front of the hoop where he's trying to shoot. So Giannis goes up and tries to move it away and then go back to shoot, but then the guy puts the ladder back. So Giannis goes over and um, basically throws the ladder to the ground uh, and then goes back to try and shoot. That's the, In short, that's the summary of Laddergate. Kyle, your feelings. It is, like I said, it's the dumbest-ish that's been out there. And it's just the progression of how it all happened. Because first, there's just the video tweet of Giannis knocking over the ladder. And it's like, oh, this isn't good. Like, yeah, it was a tough game. and He didn't do well on the free throw line. But this isn't your best look. But I'm sure, like, it's not good. And as more and more comes out, it's like, oh. Well, this is just getting more dumb. Like, yeah, should Giannis have knocked over the ladder? Probably not. But, like, the buildup to it is, like, the, the thing that everyone just missed. And, of course, be in the day and age of social media, we don't care about the details. It's all about that video. Everyone's talking about the video. It's like, well, okay. And then there's the video of Montrez Harrell taking the basketball. And then there's video of Montrez Harrell telling Thanasis, I will, be, I will fight you. And I'm thinking... Maybe Thanasis is the last dude on the Bucks that you should want to fight. Like, Thanasis will kill someone for his brother if it gets to that point. I would not fight him. So it, it's just absolutely obnoxious. And then the athletic story comes out. And it's like, okay, well, here's what happened. And then I think the funniest part about it was when they were talking about, oh, yeah, someone kept turning off the lights in the Milwaukee locker room that was pissing off the Bucks <laughs> players, only to realize, nope, it's Giannis' oldest kid. <laughs> doing that it's just like see this is that summarizes how dumb this thing this got blown up for absolutely no reason everyone's just being stupid about it it, it was it, like was it great no but it made it seem like Giannis like punched a dude in the face like after the game and it's like calm down he just knocked over a ladder I, I was saying beforehand that this story has a little bit of everything for everyone you have children in danger potentially <laughs> you have blue collar employees you have out of touch athletes who bosses them around private property destruction you can have a conspiracy angle that it was a deal between mantras and the employees and i also think you could go even further and say this fans in the stand this was like 45 minutes after the game why are you still there go home <laughs> go home go be a family man <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any angle you want on this, they got it covered. Obviously, it's really dumb. And I I kind of, it. part of me hopes this almost turns into the counting free throws thing where like ladders start appearing all over the place. Like I, I could totally see certain fan bases or whatever going that way. Uh, it was obviously silly. Uh, Giannis could have handled it better, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm just glad I'm not on Twitter side enough to see what the fallout is because I'm sure it's, all sorts of silly stuff going on. I mean, I saw like part of it and I was and I was like, this is dumb. So then I got off. I was like, this is really dumb. I don't need to look at any of this. And then I came back. And I feel like I've heard that it's still like it's not still going, but like jokes are still happening, which of course, but 
it's old news by now. By the time this, like, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably old news. So are the are the Philly fans aggrieved mostly over him throwing the ladder? Right, that is that is the primary thing they're upset about. Is that sort of the assumption here? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You you know the Philly people like how in their hearts how important are ladders to them? Because you know in certain cultures and certain you know countries and things like that, objects can have certain significance. It kind of feels like ladders in particular are important to the people of Philly. Is that is that I, something that you would attest to? Um, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's sometimes out on the street, um, probably getting taken. I, it was so. It's just such a strange, weird, whole ladder thing. I really don't understand why they wouldn't just let him shoot. The Montrezl Harrell thing makes no sense. I have no clue why he felt the need to. No, like, that actually made the most sense to me. Like an insecure bench player for some reason trying to act like a tough guy. That that made the most sense. It's basically Blake Griffin in a nutshell. Well, I was thinking if I'm the, I don't know what their regular thing. If I'm the in-game ops guy, I would. I don't know how long they leave the hoops up. So I would also maybe want to be getting the hoops out if it's like 45 minutes after the game. That was the. That was like a timeline thing that I wasn't quite sure of from my very cursory reading that that was like the only thing I could think of that would even make me feel some sort of sympathy for the in-game ops person. It was very strange. Everything about it was strange. And of course it happened in Philly. There's no other city in America. This would That's what I was going to say. This, <laughs> it, it had to be Philly that this bullshit happened. Yeah. yeah. What's going to wait now. Here's our, here's the question. What's going to be the Milwaukee response when the Sixers come to town? What's going to be our, are we going to roll out? like sausages or something. I don't know like, what's going to be the response that we can go back at with. Bunch of bricks, cream city bricks, <laughs> cream city <laughs> bricks. It's yeah. Don't call. talk, don't talk crap about our cream city bricks. Okay. We'll, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. We'll, we'll figure it out, but. Yeah. Okay. Since well, they can't wear cream. Since they can't wear the cream, they're cream just going to throw cream city bricks. That is true. Um, all right. Well, any other feelings about Laddergate? Uh, you know, feeling aggrieved over that that particular incident. Anything else we want to get on the record? The, the only honestly, other it's thing... kind of. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say this is going to be the transition to the elbow gate. Would people have been happier if Giannis threw a full force elbow into the ladder's chest? Would everyone have been cool with that, or what? Because apparently, that's okay. It's okay for a one human to just spear another full speed to. 250 plus pound men and everyone's like oh that was such a clean play joel Embiid, he's a competitor and then but then you know a ladder goes over and it's like oh my god he actually shot somebody that's the equivalent that we're getting here i was going to say if Giannis had elbowed the ladder and then Giannis fell down i think people would have been okay with it yeah so you actually (laughs) killed off what i was gonna say (laughs) yeah that that is that is certainly true well okay Let's talk about the Sixers game, since that was the most recent one, and we've talked about it a bunch. Very um, very strange game, just given all the given the extracurriculars that happened after. But within it, there was a flagrant foul call on Joel Embiid that seemingly everyone thought, or most people seem to think, would have been a flagrant two. He would get kicked out. Tyrese Maxey exits a little bit before halftime after he had been torching the Bucks. Milwaukee ends up faltering down the stretch. They lose 110-102. Giannis is just 4 of 15 from the free throw line. Joel Embiid makes a bunch of big shots late, even though his overall line doesn't look all that impressive from an efficiency standpoint. But I, I, 
I don't know. I, that, I left that one feeling pretty frustrated, Kyle. And I, I think that sort of seemed like the tone, even with or without Laddergate, that kind of seemed like the tone the Bucks would have had to feel after that. Yeah, this was kind of one of those games where Giannis wasn't good, and you can probably point and say he was the reason why Milwaukee lost, which is a weird feeling. Going 4-14 from the free throw line is bad enough, and especially when the Bucks only took 21 as a team, that makes it seem worse. So when you're ta- when Gian- I mean Giannis took 15 of the 21 free throws and made half of them, it's not looking pretty. I he just didn't he tried forcing things too much. I think Drew Holiday was also trying to like do more than he probably could when he came back from his ankle, and it just felt like you know Bobby Portis had a better game than he has had. Brooke Lopez offensively could have done better, but defensively I think did a solid job. It just, it was one of those games where it's not like Philly played that well, especially after Maxi went out. It just felt like everything fell apart in the third quarter, which I feel like Milwaukee's either going to win a third quarter by scoring 35 to 40 points or they lose a fourth, third quarter by allowing 35 or 40 points. But it was, I don't know, I feel like they did everything you would want except hit those free throws. If they just do a slightly better at the free throw line, Milwaukee probably wins this game with ease. Giannis got too into his own head. He called his own number, and we I've criticized Budenholzer for regular season just going with vibes on the offense. I think there's more structure to it these days than there ever has been. But no matter how much structure he puts in, if Giannis says, oh, we're going to run the Giannis play where I just like run at three guys... You know, what, it, what is what is Boonholz supposed to do? And I think after a certain point, Giannis kind of got into his head where he's like, well, I'm going to prove that I can. Like, this is Giannis of old vibes is what I got. The free throw started missing. is like, I'm going to fearlessly keep going after the basket. He wasn't even like looking for other guys after a certain point. He was like, I'm just going to make my own thing happen, which is admirable in its own sort of way. But also you got to read the room and kind of get some other guys involved, especially because uh, like I said, Bobby was decent. Jordan Warrow was like decent. Grayson Allen was okay. Like there were enough guys out there who he could have worked with to try and get something else going, but instead he just decided to do it himself. And then I think he's at a career low, like 58% from the free throw line, which is absolutely God awful. So yeah, Giannis lost it for us. Uh, bad turnovers. They were really calling a lot of um, like quick travels. Drew did, not a lot to help. I think obviously understandable because he's got to get his burst back and everything. But uh, on both ends of the floor, he was just okay. Uh, he also had a bunch of turn five turnovers for him. Um, so yeah, I don't. It, it was strange that we had the most success in the first quarter, and then Drew comes in, and then it kind of drops off. I wouldn't even attribute much to that, except Drew was just slower, and he already plays kind of at a languid pace. And if he plays languid because he literally doesn't have the burst, that's that's a problem. So. Um, yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, it felt weird because you would think after Maxi goes out, and it's like, okay, you're taking out the guy that is actively torching you. Embiid get, is getting his stats, whatever, but he's not really positively impacting the game. Like, Maxi was the one that was giving walking fits, and he's gone. It's like, okay, you're fine. And then it just felt as though Milwaukee just went through, I think they went like three or four game minutes without getting a bucket like hitting, getting a feel. Yeah. It took them until nine minutes into the, no, 10 minutes into the third quarter to get 
a reg a field goal bucket. Then they went another like minute and a half before they got another one. It's just like the offense just fell apart. And a lot of it was just vibes and guys missing shots. Like Brooke Lopez was missing floaters. Uh, Javon Carter was taking threes. Giannis again, trying to do too much, had to like a turnover. Like he lost the ball that PJ Tucker stole before that. He like did a, th- like took a three. It's like, no, no, don't do this. Do not do this. Like, this is how things get bad for you. And then Philly kind of just kept going and getting free throws in. I don't know. I felt like by the time Milwaukee like got it together, it was too late. And next thing you know, they're down going like they're pretty much down and unable to mount the comeback. And they only scored yeah, 18 I, points in the fourth quarter. Like the fourth quarter offensively was even worse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in my minus 12 overall in the third quarter, but yeah, but I mean, both teams were pretty atrocious in the fourth quarter. Uh, just Philly finally started to hit some stuff in the last couple of minutes. It, I mean, you could just tell, you could just kind of tell something seems a little off with Giannis. Like even he's trying the, those like dribble in between his leg moves at like the free throw line. He's doing that a lot now. And I think the last like two games he's had the ball basically stolen from him or he's had like bounced it off his foot as he's been trying to do it. All those little like push shots that he would try to do, or even like a jumper from the elbow. He's just not trying that or walking into it with the same confidence he had last year. He's trying to bulldoze his way down low. And if he's not, then his like counter is, shooting the three, which is never really something you want to have him feel like he can fall back upon. So and he's like, oh, you just activated my trap card. Oops, I'm the one who trapped myself. He's I was like, going to say, the trap these. card is me. I'm doing <laughs> <Yeah>. this. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and obviously he's shouldering a huge load. So he's at a 39% usage this year, which I knew he was high, but the, the, and obviously you assume it'll go down when Chris is back. But um, the Philly game was 43%, which is, you know, I'm, sort of backs up exactly what we were talking about. Giannis probably trying to do a little bit too much, turning it over, forcing it when he probably didn't necessarily have to. And then, you know, on the other side, if you're looking for anything sort of encouraging, I mean, Brooke Lopez's defense on Joel Embiid, I thought was was really good. And you even saw with like the mini version of what the Harden Embiid pick and roll would look like with Maxi Embiid. And I thought they did a decent job of, of trying to stay home and, you know, keep Embiid from making, getting really easy mid-range jumpers. I thought they did an okay job of that. I, w- I was getting frustrated in the second half when Drew would do the doubling thing on Embiid, which is, which is fine. Like, I know he get he gets into a rhythm sometimes and, you know, he, I know at least one time he got a turnover, but there's, there's just something aesthetically so frustrating about it when you go over for the double and then, two passes later, there's an open three in the corner. Uh, and granted, they didn't shoot that many threes overall, but there was there was something just sort of frustrating about, I think, that coupled with the fact they were losing the lead and imploding a little bit, too. The, well, and it's also like, you don't yeah. need to double if Brooke Lopez is on a bead. If it's like Bobby, okay, I can understand that aspect. Maybe throw a quick double, try and do that. But if it's Brooke, Brooke's got it. Let him be. Mm-hmm. He's going to take care of it. I was a little frustrated with the final three minutes of the game because the Sixers spammed the same exact play for literally four times in a row. I was like, okay, bud, after they do it twice, can you like, I don't know, we should probably call a timeout. And I think that one, he didn't call the timeout. And then Giannis is like, I'm going to take a three. And Drew ended up getting the offensive rebound, but he blew it anyhow. I was like, this is just, I was a bit mystified why we didn't 
try to call a timeout and say, okay, you know, the game is still within like five points or whatever. Here's what they're running. Let's like try and come up. And we did throw a double on the third time and then MB just made the quick, like easy dump off pass. And that was the game. So I was a little frustrated by that. Uh, you, I understand why they were like, oh, just let Embiid, let Brooke match up. But the difficulty with Embiid is he gets in that mid-range spot, and that's probably where he's most effective. At three-point range, if he pump fakes, then you have time to recover everybody else. If he's like driving to the hoop, then Brooke can stay with him. That mid-range where it's like, well, I don't know which way you're going to go, that's the toughest spot to guard him. And probably not the best idea to like, just Brooke, you stay home four times. It just didn't work. So that was... To me, that the end of game execution, especially because the game, even after all the stupidity, was still there for the taking, and we just we didn't settle. Like it's, there's just no settling to like actually execute and do it. Unfortunately, and it seemed like they had some sort of a blueprint initially in the first half when they they wanted to try the big lineup to overpower the fact that Philly was pretty pretty small. I mean, Tucker is, has some size, but like they generally were going kind of small, and so. But they they just couldn't sustain that level of offensive rebounding over the whole course of the game, and ultimately it just kind of caught up to them when Philly was able to hit shots at the end. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. At, at the end of the day, it's a it's a midseason game. Hopefully, I mean, the really the bigger issue continues to be Giannis's free throws, right? So I think he was was he four uh, four fifteen four fifteen versus Philly four of eleven the game prior. So that's you know eight for twenty six over the last two. Where's your concern level on that, Kyle? I think it's six out of ten. Only because I think the last two games have been particularly rough, but I think in the Hawks game on Monday, he shot like 61% then. Let me, I'm just going to pull it up. I, I felt like he wasn't as bad, like against the Hawks. Yeah, he's and 11 that's why I'm not. Yeah, he was 11 of 18 on Monday against Atlanta. So that's not too bad. And I think the game prior, he shot pretty well, too. So it's like, I'm not concerned, but it's definitely more of a why is his free throw suddenly gone to complete garbage all of a sudden? Like the last two games, it's just like, this is abnormally bad. Okay, and the game before uh, he got hurt, he was 7 of 8. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm slightly concerned, but I think it's also, made, like, I think this is just part of Giannis's slump in general, and this is just a contributing factor. And I think if Giannis can get it together, then the free throws will turn around as well. Of course I'm concerned. We've spent more man hours, time, money on shot doctors than the United States did on the Manhattan Project this point. And the results, less than satisfactory. How are we back here again? This is year 10 of having the shot doctors in the comments. I thought we were done with this. I go See, that's the- why I'm not concerned, because like, we've been uh, through yeah. this shit enough that it's like, it's just normal. I, just, I, I thought for sure, I was like, okay, after the title run last year, like, okay, we don't have to have everybody in the comments being like well you can see his elbow is out a little and now we're right back to it it's like the never-ending quest i think it's totally mental you could tell i think it has to do with him putting on too much pressure on himself or especially in the philly game where it's like i want to prove these people the defenders i want to prove them wrong and then it's just every single one it's like missed miss and they're all like short it was really it was it was bad of course i'm concerned about it it'll probably revert back into the low 60s 
uh, it'll just kind of be the Giannis of usual where it's like, is he just on a hot streak? You know, like in game six of the finals, it was like, okay, he's going to keep, he keeps making them. Like, I can't believe he keeps making them. That was like a total outlier. That's just, I mean, that's so typically Giannis. You have a game where he's just horrendous or one was like, oh, that was like, he made pretty much all of them. Uh, but yes, anybody who thought that the Giannis shooting mechanic adventures were over dead wrong. We got a, we got a lot more to go, unfortunately. Uh, so that's, that's always fun discourse. I mean, I will be curious to see if his routine ever changes. I hope it doesn't. Um, but this is, this was a great, that, that would be another great talking point for us all to talk about his routine that did you, did you see that graphic? Was anyone watching, were you watching on ESPN that had graphic that tracked his different free throw routines each mm-hmm. year? Yes. That was, um, I should really have, we should have clipped that. That would have been, yeah, that's yeah. some good stuff. Yeah. That's miserable. Five spins dribble. Uh, yeah. all right. Anyway. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about this Cavaliers game, which was, uh, I, I would say, a pleasant surprise. I, I didn't go in expecting, given the Cavaliers have been pretty good this year. They've been scuffling of late, but I wasn't expecting a beatdown of this level. 113-98 win. Brooke has 29 points, 7 of 9 from DP, sort of the standout uh, of the whole day. But then also Jordan Wara, 21 points, maybe his best game as a buck? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. Well, okay, Kyle speak on Jordan Wara finally uh you know emerging is he the missing piece uh, well I just said it was his best game as a buck because yes he has had good games where he puts up a lot of stats and has pretty numbers that was pretty much a garbage time when no one else of relevancy was playing at least in this game I was like okay this was against a good team first of all and it's like Giannis was out there Bobby was out there you know yeah Drew and Chris weren't out there but you know, there was still like a legitimate Bucks team that we put out. And Jordan Ward, to his credit, hit the shots that he needed to. Five and nine from three. Good shot selection. Good decision making. He didn't just chuck for the sake of chucking. It's like if you just stay within yourself, this is what we can expect. So no, he did he did well. I'm boost that trade value. Boost that trade value. That's that's what I gotta say. I'm not going as far as saying yes, he's a missing piece or he's gonna get more play time or should be ahead in the packing order, but at least for once this year, after being absolute garbage, I mean, the whole all of last week, we were just bashing him. So t- for him to turn on and have a good game, it, it's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I'm glad you said about upping the trade value because you thought that 21 points looked good in blue. Just wait until he's wearing blue and orange and he's doing it in Oklahoma City <laughs> in March. That's going to look a lot better. I put no stock in it whatsoever. And, and that's all I have to say about <laughs> the Jordan Wara. But uh, you know what? And this is, this is a beautiful thing because the guy, so Jordan Wara steps up, he has a good game. So who's who's coming off the bench and is going to do the Jordan Wara thing? Everybody's wondering. It's like, what about that one white kid from Northern Iowa or whatever? AJ Green comes on and plays maybe the worst game I've seen since whenever the last time I watched Jordan Wara play a game. I was like, this is... <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't defend. He didn't know what he was doing. He he made a shot, so that's cool. I'm happy he made a three, so that's that's cool and everything. But so just comically undersized. I watch him. I'm like, it's just me out there. It's just, and that's disrespectful, Adrian Green, because he could probably kill me. But I watch him. I was like, that's just if they put a jersey on me and said, go run around out there. That's what was happening. So for every yin that is Jordan Wara. Having a good game, there is the Yang of AJ Green having a horrendous 
15 minutes. I mean, <laughs> 15 minutes and we won the game. The Cavs should be absolutely hysterical with how, uh, like, just shame. with <laughs> They blew that. So uh, not great for them. I walked out of a movie theater and I saw AJ Green at 15 minutes and I saw the score. I was like, oh, okay. It was like fourth quarter garbage time. Like, good for him. <laughs> and then I seen the chat. No, he played in the first quarter. I was like, what do you mean he played in the first quarter? What, first man what was Bud doing? <laughs> I don't think it was first man off the bench. Bud was like, let's see if he could be our sixth man of the year. <laughs> oh, God. It's yeah, wild because he played, he, played he played in like the G League game the next night. So he, they had him play 15 minutes, so like one of the most prominent bench players, and then he just had to go up to Oshkosh to play the next night. Uh, he did have a steal, so there's that for him to hang his head on. But minus 11 um, in a game where you win by you know double digits, 15 points, that's pretty impressive on him. I uh, Yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, so past Wara and Green, I'm sure you were about to transition to the rest of the game, but... Uh, the Cavs matchup, you were right that it's interesting conceptually because they have these two like the, offense the things that guards. actually mattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you have like the offense first guards, and then you have the um, um, what's his name? Why was it uh, the guy who was missing? I can't remember. Jared Allen. Right. Jared Allen. Thank you. So Jared Allen was missing, so that changes things a little bit. But Evan Mobley's still out there. You like. On one hand, I worry because we struggle even in the drop scheme of defending teams that can lob it. And this was the case with Atlanta where it was like, okay, and Trey Young just lobs it to whoever and they have a totally uncontested look at the rim. They had that going on in the first quarter a little bit, the Cavs did. I feel actually pretty good about this matchup if we were to see them down the line or in the playoffs or something because we have the personnel between Marjan, who I thought did a decent job against Mitchell, even though Mitchell made a lot of garbage shots, but for the most part, I thought he did against one of the premier scorers in the league. He did a solid job defensively. Uh, Javon Carter or drew or whoever can guard Darius Garland. Brooke is obviously, he does an okay job of doing that in between space. Um, And because of the spacing, the way that the Cavs work when they're all out there, I think we'd be able to, do the help defense without like, this would be the one time where you could do a little help defense without it being a big deal. Um, and then on the offensive end, I was just Giannis had a poor night, six, eighteen, but I think he could bully most of those guys. He usually goes and throws uh Carter, um, Jared Allen into a trash can whenever they played in the past. So I feel pretty good about that. So we got the win kind of a weird game because the Cavs could miss anything in the first half and then didn't make anything in the second half. But this felt sustainable. This wasn't like, a, oh, they're missing their one guy. We're not fully healthy. You can throw it out the window. It felt like sustainable, even if both teams were fully healthy. Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, yeah, you're making it. Interesting- and I think that was. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. Oh no, I was just gonna say. I, I think it was one of those where, in that second half, it was a lot of force them to take bad shots, which is exactly what the scheme wants. So I think that was very helpful in that, yeah, in the first half it was annoying because they kept making it, but you stick with the scheme and you just stick with it and it's going to hopefully even out. If it doesn't, okay, it is what it is. So I think that was helpful in that they didn't panic too, too much. I feel like in the playoffs, maybe they would do a little bit more switching, but in the regular season, it's like, no, just stick with the plan and you know we'll see what happens. I also think with Jared Allen being out, it just allowed Brooke to just bully whoever 
Cleveland threw at them because even though Cleveland has pretty much three dudes in like Evan Mobley, Kevin Love, and Jared Allen, it's not like any of them can really have the size to deal with Brooke and Giannis. So when you're missing that guy, because Jared Allen's like a solid rim protector, but if you just throw Brooke on Evan Mobley, he's going to overpower him. If you throw Giannis, he's going to overpower him. So Jared Allen being missing, I think, hurt Cleveland, but not enough. Like Riley said, like Giannis still is able to kind of have his way with Jared Allen as well. So I think this was just more of the keep it very simple. Brooke is dominating the post. Just let him do his thing. And then Brooke will decide, okay, I'll just also hit like seven threes. That is very helpful. Yeah, he's looked, he's obviously looked fantastic from deep, but he also, he had like a, he had a sequence where he was just continually blocking Lamar Stevens over and over on repeated possessions, which was, that was pretty hilarious to watch. If you look at the shot chart, I mean, this is like picture perfect for what I'm sure Bud wants. So Cleveland took 20% of their shots at the rim. So very few 30% from three and then 50% from the mid range. So like that's, that's essentially the scheme working to a T. And I think, Part of that is obviously in the beginning, right? Like we've been talking about Mitchell and Garland were able to hit a bunch of really difficult shots. And then, so that kind of keeps the game close. But then as you keep going along, like you said, Kyle, you keep chipping away, chipping away. They're getting harder and less and less efficient shots. And meanwhile, Milwaukee is getting up a ton of threes. They had a 37.8% offensive rebound rate in this game, which is pretty crazy given, um, the Cavaliers as a team do have some size, but I think missing Allen obviously hurts that a lot, and they have to play down a little bit with Mobley as their only real true big guy. Obviously, they had Robin Lopez as well, but um, he he wasn't enough to make up for any of the the rebounding problems. But it was it, it was nice to be able to see a team that looked like they're moving up the Eastern Conference pecking order, and then see the Bucks kind of lay the smackdown you know, kind of to their to their little brother and their central division foe as they keep destroying basically everyone in their division over these past couple of years under Bud. Um, all right, anything else from Cleveland? Not not particularly. Uh, Steve Novak should talk Robin Lopez. They sub Robin in and Steve Novak noticed that he was like, oh, there's suddenly there's a lot of space in the paint. So just, that was a subtle dig. Were they teammates? <laughs> Maybe maybe it was a good fun. I'll give good faith. Uh, and then um, Lisa busted out the phrase that nobody should ever order, uh, utter ever again. Jordan Wara made a step back three, and then Lisa said, "Give us more of that, Wara." That's horrible. Oh. That's horrible. Don't ever say that again. That's what, I mean, <laughs> that's that's all I had from that. I literally I got out a pad and a piece of paper and I wrote it down. I was like, this is, has to come back up because it's it how bad it was. So uh, that's what I have from the Cavs game. Yeah, okay. I don't really have much else. It's it was a good win. It's a good win. Yeah, and we honestly we needed it after the Hawks game on Monday, which was again yet another depressing Hawks game. One twenty one to one hundred six. Milwaukee loses. Giannis is eight of twenty one. Atlanta kind of, I don't know. They just did their Atlanta thing. Trey Young did his thing. He didn't even shoot particularly well. Like, there was just something that was, once again, lackluster about the Bucks' ability against this team. And Obviously, they were missing Drew Holiday and a bunch of other pieces. But the the one shining thing that really the only reason I want to touch on this game is that Marjon Bochamp went 7 of 9. 
eight rebounds. It sounded like they were getting ready to retire his number, but that's unclear. He was my he was he was also a team high minus fourteen uh, on the game, <laughs> which is which is pretty funny. But that being said, I mean, like, there's reason, right? We've talked about this before, but this this seemed like probably one of his best games yet, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, the plus minus is harsh on him. I mean, granted, Giannis was right behind about a minus thirteen. Wes Matthews was a minus 12, and he only did that in 12 minutes. So <laughs> I'm just saying, Wes Matthews getting a minus one, like getting a minus one per minute is probably the worst of the bunch. But no, I think this was very encouraging. Again, it was more of the, he picked this moment. He hit the shots that he needed to. He didn't force anything. I think that's one of the things I've noticed about him this year is that he's not over here forcing more than he needs to like if he has an open shot he's going to take the open shot if he can drive it he's going to drive it. and if it doesn't work he's getting rid of the ball like he's not making things more difficult than it needs to be and I think for someone of his caliber that it's like he this is what you want out of you know your rotational kind of guy and especially out of as a rookie it's like don't do too much just do the simple thing and especially in a game where no one else is really Bobby was offensively kind of getting into it and then he kind of struggled at times but when no one else is he stepped up when no one else could and I think this was I you know we've I've been very impressed with Marjan I think this was the kind of game where even though the result didn't go Milwaukee's way and it might look like in terms of plus minus and everything else like it wasn't a great night for him I, I would say these are the games where it's like okay this guy can play in the NBA and you feel at least encouraged for that yeah, there, there was something symbolic about Grayson Allen just all of a sudden disappearing. I was like, hmm, is this, are we, is it coming true? The idea of trading Grayson so he can, we can give all those minutes to Marjan, all those psychos on the internet who want to do that. Uh, no, it was good game. DeJounte Murray is not an easy cover at all for anybody to try to guard. Um, and Marjan did decent again. And the fact that he's able to expend the energy that he has to on the defensive end. And then yes, it's going to be up and down offensively. Cause he does have some times where the three, three ball, that's a little bit more errant, but he'll make random decisions. They're like, okay, well, why are you, why are you taking a shot from there? Is that something that anybody told you to do? Probably not. I would probably not do that in the future. So it's going to be an adventure as he works it out. I'm sure a lot of it is nerves to still figure out what he's supposed to do. Um, and he, can pass a little bit too which is nice again keep it simple like if you're in the open court run as fast as you can get to your spot if if you're in the open court and another guy's running just like pass it to them have them do it you can draw the guys towards them um so yes good game from marjan the the big downer is we just kind of look old uh grayson allen goes out and it's like okay well george hill is gonna play a lot well you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> George, yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a tough week for George. The Tyrese Maxi matchup, I was like, man, George, he just doesn't, he can't, he can't gut it with just veteran craft anymore, unfortunately. So tough week for George Hill, and we just looked old. And the Hawks are the Raptors, where the Raptors have nineteen guys who are all the exact same shape and size, and now the Hawks, besides Trey Young have 19 guys who are all the exact same shape and size. And then they're all like, what if we threw six of them at Giannis at once? And then it works. Giannis, like, he's played horrible against the Hawks uh, in all three games we played them against this year. I don't know about the Abu Dhabi games. I didn't watch those, but those uh, not count. great. Yeah, those those don't count. Um, it, I'm not at the point where I would say 
really uh, I, I, we could be worried about the hawks it's okay to be worried like three tough games lose two of them win one of them super close now we don't have chris we don't have drew that'll change things obviously but this isn't the hawks team that Giannis goes out and then we still win anyhow because they're just like too young and experienced they just they're not there it's this group's been mostly together for a while and they have guys who have defensive side. Whoever AJ Griffin is, I don't know where this guy came from, is like not another Giannis stopper guy. Like, I'm tired. Wasn't Thad Young? <laughs> Wasn't he like retiring? Come on. And then we get like the young version of Thad Young. So there are guys who would make it tricky uh, and they're definitely a team to keep an eye on because it's not going to be a walk in the park against the Hawks probably. M- maybe it would. It could be as simple as we're able to shut down Trey young and that takes care of that, but he's perfect for that lob. Like I was saying, lobbing over to the top to somebody, they all have guys who can go and get it or that floater mid range. Obviously he's totally comfortable or even just like a random pull up three off a of pick and roll. So he's, there's a lot of things to be kind of concerned about or wonder about with a matchup. If we were to play him in the playoffs again. Yeah. The other part, what that was frustrating is just Milwaukee's inability to hit any three pointer. Hmm. They were six of 29. <laughs> so you're not going to win many games shooting 20%. Six that, and, you know, and half of them were the rookie who has not played any sort of high level basketball up until like four weeks. And ago. not, and not the team's best shooter. Like this is a guy that we were not sure if he could shoot and he ends up making half the threes. Sir, sir and Wara had two of the other ones. I mean, that's how, you know, it's a really rough night. Um, yeah. The, the Hawks are, I think out of almost any team in the league, they probably put some of the most pressure in the particular ways that are difficult for Milwaukee's defense on in the pick and roll, just given Trey Young is so good at the floater and DeJounte Murray is like one of the best mid-range shooters in the league. So if they're not having any of our help defenders pinch in and dig in, they're basically just seeing one outstretched arm of Brooke Lopez. They can pull up from where they want and get comfortable. I'd, I'd be curious if we were to somehow see them in an extended series, I think the thing that really, I think unlocked that series two years ago for the bucks was when we went to more um, switching across the board. So, and we haven't really seen that rolled out much at all against the Hawks this year, which makes sense. Like the scheme is the scheme and it's been working really well so far. So I'd be curious in an extended series, how much more defensive flexibility that we would have and what they would try to do to slow them down, given what they've been able to do against us thus far. You know what's really fucked up? We come into this season and are like, oh, finally, we're not doing the help defense thing. And then the Hawks, they are dead last in the league for three-point attempts. They make nine of them a game. They're like, (laughs) I mean, they're the third worst percentage in the league, like horrible three-point shooting team. And we're like, we can't, we're like, oh, just come to the paint. We're like, we can't stop them. They're flying in from everywhere. Like, I'm scared. It's like scary to watch it happen. I'm like, aren't we supposed to be like good? <laughs> we don't have to worry about the three point because they're not going to take them. And then we this just, is the exact thing that you want. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I don't know how much, like, again, once, once Drew is out there, once Chris is out there, like, and maybe we'll be able to adjust and say, okay, you can help a little bit on defense. Like, this can be the time. I think right now, obviously, the team is trying to stick to the don't help too much. Like, just stay with who your guy is because that's been effective. They want that to be the base principle. So I don't mind them not really adjusting. Like, okay, now help a whole bunch in this game because God knows how that adventure would go. Um, But it's something to, like, keep in mind where it's like, okay, 
if you're not going to help, then guys are just going to start cutting from all over the place. And Trey is going to have like totally uncontested if he can get free of Javon Carter or Drew, whoever it is. Like that's those are the spots where it's like, can you somebody come over and help? Could Pat like put a, you know, kind of hedge over or whatever. So that's that's what's kind of messed up is like, oh, we finally moved away from the overhelp and we play like the one team where it's like, well, overhelp would be <laughs> probably the wise <laughs> thing to do. But I understand why we didn't do it, especially this early in the season. So. Okay, well, also speaking of the roster, two quick things, just generally. Pat, I believe, I th- I think it was the Cavaliers game. He was supposed to be probable before that game, upgraded to probable, and then held out. And he was also out against Philadelphia. But presumably, he should be coming back soon. Chris, uh, I think we sent him all of our thoughts from at Brewhoop. We saw that his, his father passed away, um, which is just gutting news so hopefully he's doing okay but i don't know are, are, are either of you like getting sort of anxious and ready for some reinforcements for this team that's been kind of hobbled through we're, ba- we're basically a month into the season now no i love adrian green minutes it's everything for me, so of course not no I, I i'm not anxious for it because we stored up all those early wins it is annoying watching like Giannis do stupid basketball stuff. I'm like, okay, I mean, can we, (laughs) I understand you don't really trust whoever else out there or you have your own thing you want to prove, but I I would appreciate having most of the guys back. Yes. I'm getting my, just for entertainment purposes, pure aesthetic entertainment purposes. I would like more of those guys and less of everybody else off the deep bench. Yeah. I'm not too concerned right now because Milwaukee also has their next, like the next week, they're all, all their games are at home. I'm not worried yet. Now, if one or two more players get injured, like if if someone that has been doing decently well or has had a lot of minutes gets hurt, then I'm going to be a lot more worried. But right now, Milwaukee's doing just fine. Pat probably will come back in the next week or two, I feel like. Drew, is, Drew just got back, so hopefully he can get back to speed. Hopefully Giannis gets his head out of his ass and plays better. And as long as two of those three things happen, I think, and more especially if Giannis just gets his head out of his ass, Milwaukee's fine. So This is setting up perfectly for Chris's return because we go out there and what Bud does in the pregame, I, I get the sense is he sits the guys down and puts on the TV and he just starts playing Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And he says, okay, guys, this is going to be the offense tonight. Just do very basic actions. Giannis, you're going to do like, and Chris is going to come in. He's going to pass twice. And we'll be like, holy crap. This is what I've been waiting for. And like our offensive rating will go up a little bit. Like we're saved. This is it. We've been waiting all season. So not a better time for our offensive specialist to be coming back when the offense looks so rudimentary at times. They're like some off ball action, but you know, we're running relatively straightforward sets with Drew or Giannis or whoever. Uh, looking forward to having Chris, if only to have something a little different, somebody who passes some, uh, who Giannis could trust passing to. I think that'll be nice. So it's setting up nicely for Chris's return whenever that happens to be. Okay, and then one last roster thing. I think we talked about this several weeks ago, but more Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen stuff has been resurfacing. Has have has anyone's opinions changed or feel any differently about uh, about that possibility? Absolutely not. Like I don't need the Bucks to trade for dude. 
that one game will hit like six or seven threes and then the next five games not be able to shoot for his life. I don't need another one of those. Hey, he'd fit perfectly. That's 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 the problem. Like a, that I don't want like it. <laughs> I don't want it. Knowing our luck, we trade for him and he'd have a worse stint than Marvin Williams, and then he too would retire before like the final series was even over. Uh, I have no particular attachment to Grayson Allen whatsoever. Uh, easy come, easy go. If we trade him for someone, I he he's like a good player, but even this year. I mean, he's not doing anything different than he did last year. And yes, maybe the Boston series, what he was asked to do was too much. Fair enough. But you also, I think if Chris is around, you probably just reduce his minutes or something, or if there are other guys available. So I, I'm of the opinion that trading Grayson is not the worst idea in the world. He has the right salary slot for it. I'm just not sure if Jay Crowder is the guy. And right. we have no, there's no pressure whatsoever to trade for him right now because the Suns can shove it. Uh, they have they can wait and keep paying them to stay away from the team as long as they want. But they expect us to give them a bunch of sweeteners. They're uh, they're barking up the wrong tree. They should go somewhere else for that. So, I, if it was Jay Crowder, like okay, fine, I guess. It, it seems like that'd be a, kind of a big glut of guys who are like six seven, like with Joe Ingles coming back too. So it, it's be kind of odd, but, but I don't think we're gonna rush to trade whatsoever. So. Yeah, I, I just feel like Jay Crowder is just, it's not really worth it at this point. Maybe like two, three years ago, yeah, I would have been all in for it. But I, I yeah, think well, at this point, it's kind of like a meh. Was, it would have felt like last year when it's like, oh, we got rid of, you know, Shemi Ojale and Rodney Hood for Serge, <laughs> for Serge Ibaka. And you're just like, okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like we're not even going to cover this on the podcast. That's not right, inconsequential. Like, Okay, this happened. Um, ask yourself this: Did Jay Crowder beat us in the finals? Yes or no? The answer is no. Therefore, I don't need losers on my squad. I'm looking for winners only, and he—I <laughs> don't need that loser energy. Uh, not right now. If we got him for cheap, if we—if they wanted to take him for Jordan War and George Hill, right? Okay. For Jordan War, yeah, yeah do yeah. that trade. <laughs> yes, I'm on board. Uh, but right now, I don't need that loser mentality in my in my team on my roster. All right. Okay. I just wanted to get that on the record. I was curious if that had changed at all. But um, okay, let's uh, let's take a quick break. On the other side of it, we'll we'll do our miscellaneous topics and close it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Okay, we are back. Kyle, take us into rapid fire. All right, it is Thanksgiving, uh, probably by the time it's going to be Thanksgiving in a couple days, so I have a couple Thanksgiving-themed questions. The first one, are you doing a turkey trot, or do you do turkey trots where you go for a run in the morning of Thanksgiving, or maybe that Wednesday? I I don't do an organized one, but I like to run on the morning of Thanksgiving, regardless. They're, just because I run most mornings. 
they're one of the few days I'll run Thanksgiving morning just on my own, but Black Friday is one of the few days I just give myself off. I, I eat a, like a glutton the night before. I usually had to expend energy being social with friends and or family. Uh, so I, I give myself that day off. I just kind of bundle up and sit on the couch all day. So and definitely no organized turkey trot for me. No. All right. All right. I absolutely refuse to do it. You're not going to get me to. No, absolutely not. All right. Next question. It is 2 p.m. Are you eating or are you how many drinks in are you? Are you eating and are you just on a couch watching football? Is this Thanksgiving or like when I'm at work? Thanksgiving. Yeah. No, Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> two, two o'clock in the office. Yeah, I'm slamming them back because it's been a tough day. Uh, uh, 2 p.m. watching football. We we do early dinner. I helped out cooking last year, but uh, my wife usually handles a lot of the heavy lifting there. So I usually just chill out. Again, entertaining people. I talk to them. I don't watch football at all. I'll sit there and ask them questions about if Brett Favre is still in the league, quaint stuff like that to make them feel knowledgeable about football. So that's what I do. I'm fairly certain we are sitting down for the meal by then at my in-laws place. They invite like 35 people. So they have all these crazy tables set up. So it's a, it is a massive Thanksgiving with uh, people from all walks of life, which always makes for a fantastically entertaining day. Uh, so probably doing that and hopefully a few drinks in by then. Yeah, I'm definitely in the few drinks in. Um, last year, not, not with kids, not so much, but normally I am the few drinks in. Um, Next question that I have. Black Friday shopping, yes or no? Are you for it or are you against it? I am not against it in as much as like it happening i served a couple of a couple of tours of duty at my local Coles as an associate and i didn't see you know women beating each other over the head with uh <laughs> like uh, vacuums or whatever for clothing luckily there was no violence involved and that was fine and it like the energy is kind of cool um which i appreciate but i myself am not going out i'm gonna do the at home uh or I will call around to local places that we go to and see if they're doing any sort of special deal and see if I can snack something like that. But I don't go to the big box store. Um, I try to get my shopping done beforehand or I trickle stuff in from local places after that. So I don't participate, but I don't have necessarily anything against it. I have no desire to go shopping on Black Friday with a child. Um, I have that is probably the last thing I would want to do is is emerge into that. Now, I used to be a, a big fan of it. I, I stayed in line overnight at a Best Buy in high school. That was that was really fun. I didn't end up buying anything, but <laughs> it was like a, a fun experience regardless. Um, and I used to I remember when I went to I went to I used to go with my brother too. we would go to Walmart and they would have like the 8 p.m. sales and then the 10 p.m. sales and they would like roll out the thing and rip apart the plat like the like the the crowd would go upon the plastic and rip it apart to get at the um like just dance threes or whatever that were on sale that day so it was um i i really liked all that stuff um but then when it started creeping too much into thanksgiving uh, i think that's when i i started cooling on it a little bit and obviously now i probably won't be going yeah, I I used to like when I was younger, like I loved like sitting outside, like waiting like 5 a.m. And you just like rush in the store and grab as much stuff. 
I always love that. My dad is notorious for buying TVs every Black Friday. <laughs> I don't expect it to happen this year because he's got to drive back to Fort Hood, Texas, and the last thing they need to put in this tiny Corolla is a 60-inch TV. Um, don't don't ever I, underestimate the pull of a good deal, though. I mean, he, he might. I would be. I'd be more. I think he's going to call me and tell me, "Hey, you should go sit in line and grab this TV for me instead." But no, I I don't mind it. But I'm definitely not the going on Thanksgiving Day kind of person. Like, I I I once they started getting to like six p.m. and people are already shopping, it's like okay, that's too early. But I probably won't go this year just because. Yeah, the idea of trying to shop with shopping with a child is already enough of a pain in the ass. I don't need to add the Black Friday <laughs> rush to it. <laughs> and all right, my last question, Thanksgiving theme question. What is the first thing you're going for in the food? Like, is it a side? Is it the main dish? Like you have your plate. What's the thing that you're making sure is there or someone's going to get hit with the spatula? I'm going in on the stuffing. Absolutely. It's it's the it's critical. It's the biggest component. I used to dislike it as a kid. I was like, oh, ew, it's like spiced bread. Now I'm an adult that you like stuffing the turkey. Now I'm an adult. I was like, yeah, it's spiced bread that they just stuffed it or whatever, either in the turkey or they just cooked on their own. It doesn't matter. It could be the instant box crap. It could be somebody who like actually hand cut up the bread, hand me the stuffing. It's the first thing I've got. And a little bit of gravy with it. It's amazing. It's it's a must-have, the stuffing. Just what exactly what Riley said. No changes. That's right. I I respect the stuffing. I'm mac and cheese. That that is my go-to. I will mac and cheese is first. Stuffing's probably second. Like those are like the two first things, and then I'm gonna and thankfully cranberry sauce no one likes, so I'm just gonna grab that later on. But Oh, yeah, I forgot you are a cranberry sauce guy, right? I'm a big cranberry sauce. Like, we're having Thanksgiving dinner with Emma's parents. They're like, is there anything that you absolutely need to have? I was like, just cranberry sauce. I don't care if it's the can. <laughs> just something. They're like, our, they're like, our son-in-law is a sicko. <laughs> <laughs> Probably pulling up to the side. I'm like, why? Why this guy? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is well, the Thanksgiving theme rapid fire. That's great. Well, Kyle, you can just keep it rolling into your film review. All right. So I did not see much, if at all, the Cleveland game because I went and saw Black Panther Wakanda forever. I'm going to give people five seconds to fast forward probably the next like three, four minutes. Four, three, two, one. All right. That movie really just messed with me emotionally. Um <laughs> It is hard. It is very, very difficult. Like, it's it's good, but it's like, right from the jump, it is an emotional gut punch to your stomach. And I mean, a lot of it is not surprising because with Chadwick Boseman's passing, it's like, how do you try and do this movie without him? And they they did, I think they did a good job of, like, putting that in, like, writing off his character in a graceful way and like in a respectable way. So like, that was a nice thing. Like, I think they did as best as they could, but man, that was a gut punch. I think the villain, um, didn't really feel like a villain. I think it's kind of the same, like with the first black Panther where you're kind of like, I get where they're coming from. I, I get why this guy is doing what he is doing. Like it makes complete sense. Um, I, I think Angela Bassett and Letitia Wright need to get all the Oscars cause they were phenomenal. 
in it. Uh, not as much Lupita Nyong'o as I expected. I thought with this, with Chadwick's passing and everything going on, he would have gotten more, like she would have gotten more screen time and it kind of felt like not as much, but no, they're excited for some of the character, uh, some of the characters that got revealed. Um, definitely excited for that. I think the fight scenes, I think visually it was really good. Definitely one of those where if you can see in like an IMAX or seen in 3D, I would recommend. Uh, it was another gut punch in the middle. That was hard as well. I was just like, I don't, I don't know if I want to keep watching this movie. Like I am, but this is another gut punch, and then it got better. And they got to the end, and it's like, all right, that that's what that's what got Emma. Like Emma got hit hard with the ending. So I I think they did a good job at navigating Chadwick Boseman's passing as best as possible, given the circumstances. I think, like I said, the villain was very. I think the villain was good, very entertaining. Not as much comedy. Um, as expected, and I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it even though it effed with my emotions a lot. So I give it a eight, eight and a half out of ten. There's a couple like plot stuff that I was like, okay, this doesn't make complete sense. Like, why? There's like two main aspects. One of it is like the involvement of uh, Martin Freeman's character. Like that just kind of felt forced. And the other part was like in the mid credit scene where it's just like. No, 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 no. This doesn't make sense. Like, how does she not know this? No, 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 no. We need to, I need questions. That doesn't add up. And you can't just say the time, like the time skip and being snapped. Like, that's not a logical excuse. So, no, overall, really good movie. But yeah, it is definitely an emotional roller coaster. Um, where does it stack up in the hierarchy of Marvel? Because this is Mar- like Black Panther is Marvel, right? It's part of the MCU. Yeah. Where does it stack up? Now, because it's two films, two Black Panther films, short run so far, how does this stack up against, like, the other storylines? Because there's, like, the Thor movies, there's the Iron Man, there's Hulk, right? So, like... Yeah, it's... these two. I feel like it's hard, because the first, like, Black Panther was, like, joy and celebration. Celebration, like, the accomplishments, and, like, it just, like, you felt good watching this. While in this one, it's also good, but it's, like, it's a lot of grief. It's a lot of grief. So it's like a different, it's like good in a different way, like how they handle and navigate the grief side of it. I, I think it's up there. Like there's been so many Marvel movies. I'm not even going to bother like ranking each one, but it was definitely, I think in this phase, it was probably my favorite or second favorite like movie or TV series in this phase four of MCU. Yeah. No, I think that's as somebody who doesn't watch superhero movies. I watch like the, a couple of the iron man or like the avengers i think what's what keeps them so captivating for people is that they're able to shift the tone so like they have such a wide range of directions because you think of old-timey superhero movies like okay like over the top villain and like you're gonna punch him in the face and that's gonna be the end of it and the fact that they're able to now turn it and say okay here's like this joyous version for the first film and then the second they can shift the dynamic so much i think uh you know, I don't know if that's the case. I'm assuming it is to more or oh, less yeah. to the same extent for the other ones, but um, you know, I think that's that's why these films can have such long run times because they can keep going, and then there's just so many different emotions you can work with off of it. So. And it was also nice. I was like, I didn't have to watch like 30 other Marvel movies to get this movie, which I always appreciate. So like, you don't have to. There are definitely things in like other aspects where it's like, yeah, that would be nice to like follow it to a T, but you don't need to watch like 
the past like six Marvel movies and like these five TV series to understand like what's going on or who these characters are. Like there's maybe there's one character where it's like, yeah, watching some of the other stuff would explain a little bit more, but it's not that character is not vital enough in the movie that you have to watch it. Is it feel like it's setting up um, just like more general Marvel stuff or does it feel like it's setting up another Black Panther movie? I think it sets up one TV series. Yeah, it definitely sets up one TV series. And I don't know if it'll set up another. It could set up another Black Panther. But I think learning more about like the villain and like that, like nation, society, whatever. I think you could make a movie just on that. Okay. So not too much. I I don't think it's going to provide too much spinoff in the MCU, to my knowledge, but then again, there's like 80 more movies to go. <laughs> okay, well, <clears throat> I'm glad you were able to go see Wakanda Forever. I need to get out and see it. I'll see if hopefully I can try and see it in the theater. Um, okay, let's close it out with our predictions. I included four games, including next Sunday's game, because it's a holiday, so we may not record. So I've got all home games, Blazers, Bulls, Cavaliers, Mavericks. Kyle, what's your guess? I'll say three and one. I only think the Mavericks game is the one where they kind of slip up just because the Mavericks have historically been a problem for Milwaukee. I mean, they're playing the Bulls. That's not going to be any threat whatsoever. The Blazers are interesting because they're playing really well so far, but I think Milwaukee will still have that chip on their shoulder from the Philly game. And they just played the Cavs, and I don't expect that to go that much differently. So I, I think three and one and the Dallas game is the one that they come short in. I think we'll go two and two. We'll lose to the Blazers and the Mavs and the Mavs game is going to be really, really tough seeing that bald cue ball on the other side of the <laughs> sidelines getting a win over us. But uh, obviously the Bulls will be a huge laugher. We're all going to laugh about that. That'll just be the podcast. Just laughing. And then the Cavs uh, agreed. And especially because is that the Friday game? Yeah. So I know maybe we'll be getting close to having Drew fully back, Pat, who knows about Chris's timeline. But as the days go by, at some point here, we're going to start getting guys back uh, and then hopefully we'll be able to kind of start turning it on from there. So we'll beat the Bulls and the Cavs. and I think we'll lose against the Western Conference teams. I'm feeling good. I'm going to go 4-0. I think they're going to win all the games. I think reinforcements are going to come in. And I think uh, we'll we'll ride this homestand and continue stacking wins in the serve. So I'm feeling good about this this upcoming slate. Hopefully I didn't jinx it. All right. That'll do it for today's episode. Thank you to everyone who listened. Go to brewhoop.com for all of our usual coverage. And we will talk to you again soon. We're thankful for all of you and your continued listening to the podcast. Thanks. <laughs>